0: Achieving Exceptional Performance Shared Insights. Welcome to All Things Intriguing with your host, Dr. Raymond L. Newkirk. That's me. Achieving Exceptional Performance, Episode 15, validating the critical success factor of substance over form. Now we introduced that topic a little bit in the last podcast. We were talking about quality, right? There are so many critical success factors identified by the organization that to list them all would ensure failure because the time lost thinking about them would be so great and the productivity so poor that failure would be the result. You don't need to know everything all the time immediately. A smart person doesn't know everything. They just know where to find it, right? We forget our whole life. There's a lot of truth to that. You know, you ever go to one of these meetings where They list all the options for the solution and three hours later their own option number 755 and they keep going and then you've lost yourself sometimes too much is too much okay the important thing in waiting through all of that and waiting it out is what is the substance over the form so many things appear to have good form but there's no substance to them a preference for substance over form makes sense unless you have no substance to offer. Preserve for them because bitter emotions like disappointment are more important to results such as success. You ever see these people the office, are so upset with somebody, they, they secretly wish they would fail. And they help out on projects. And they offer solutions and you look at them and they look pretty. They look kind of nice, they look kind of attractive. But if you look at the deeper meaning of them and what they will do for the problem, there's nothing. It's all form, no substance. For an example, if you need a solution that attracts customers, you can get your attention many, many ways. But That doesn't mean they're going to buy it from you. You need more substance to get them to understand and connect with you and want what you have because it will make a positive difference in their life, you see. There are really many critical success factors in life. Every solution has their own. They share some in common, but there's something that makes them unique. You know, some people have trouble making decisions because they want to look at everything before they decide. And of course, sometimes you can't look at everything because you don't have enough time in a day. So it's really important to remember. That a preference for substance over form makes sense unless you have no substance to offer and you pursue form because their emotions make disappointment more important than results, such as success. Think about it. How many times does a disappointment direct you or encourage you to do less than a good job? But you don't want to be obvious about it. You know you create a solution for somebody, and if they take it, it looks good, but they'll fail and you know it. You know it's not the right solution, but you give it anyway. I've seen that in the workplace. I've seen people take their arguments to work and hurt the overall effectiveness of the organization. You know I'll tell you one thing that's not very effective, having too much efficiency. All right? You can be so efficient, you put yourself out of business. We've talked about that earlier. Think about that one. Efficiency is good, but effectiveness is better. You know the difference, right? So, there are so many CSFs that you have to identify the right one. And the best way to identify the right one is substance. Look at the substance of it. Do you know how to tell the difference between substance and form, you know? It's like having a pretty ice cream container and you open it up and there's nothing in it. What a disappointment, <laughs> right? Uh, I went out with my daughter today and we were doing something and she stopped and she went to this drive through and she ordered a, this smoothie. It sounded really good and she gets it. She drives off and she looks at it and it was full. A percentage of it that she had paid for was not there. There was almost substance there, right? But it was formed because the container looked really, really good. And you open it up, it was about 20% empty. So she paid more and got less. No substance of her form. Did she feel happy about it? Of course not. What she said to me is, Dad, I noticed during this time of inflation that more and more people are minimizing what they're giving you, for the even though they've raised the price. So it's a double whammy. No substance over form. And she will remember that and she probably will never go back to that place. You see, that's what it gets you. You know, we have to be wise. have to be honest. Hello, thanks for listening. Welcome to my podcast. It will be far-ranging, challenging, surprising, insightful, informative, interesting, and even intriguing. It is brought to you by the folks at Systems Management Institute in Orlando, Florida. Check us out at www.smirsp.com. Your visit is more than welcome. We'll be happy if you do. You know, I hear people tell me, gosh, you're far-ranging. Your ideas are challenging. Sometimes they're surprising, but you share insight really well away. Sometimes you talk too fast and you don't speak, plain. So I have to try and slow down. I get excited about my topics. And I love sharing them with you, you know, so. The goal of the CSF that is critical success factor. Substance over form actually reminds business managers to pursue profit maximization and shareholder satisfaction all the time. And who said that? Raymond L. Newkirk. I'll say it again. The goal of the critical success factor, the CSF, substance of Reform, actually reminds business managers to pursue profit maximization and shareholder satisfaction all the time. Managers have to think about profit so you can pay salaries, right? So you can keep the company going. But it has to be substance. And to pursue profit means you have to do something of value for the customer or for the client. You can't just give form. You have to have substance to pursue a profit and to give shareholder value. If you bought shares in a company, you want it to do well. To do well, it has to have profit. So, it reminds us that looking good just isn't good enough. We have to do good. See? I've heard people over the years get so successful about an idea. and They'll come to me and they'll say, Ray, look at this and look at this and look at this. I said, man, that looks really good. So, is it any good? What do you mean? Tell me about the substance of your idea. And they'll say to me, What does that mean? I says, okay, tell me how it's gonna pursue maximization of profits for the company. Ray, I'm only a worker here. I don't ever think about that. Okay, tell me how effective you think you will be on your job by offering that solution. And they'll look at me and they'll say, I didn't even think about it. It just seems like a good solution to me. Will it solve the problem effectively? Will it be effective? Will it do the right thing? Are you doing the right thing right? And that's a different bunch of questions. They're so excited about what they're doing that they're, you know, they're contributing something. But we have to think in terms of saving money or making money. Why is any going company going to hire any employee? Because you're either going to make them money or you're going to save them money. What you do on the job, you have to do effectively to reduce their cost and overhead. You're going to be paid, right, to help out your employer. And one way or the other, you either have to save money or make money. So if you're talking about something silver form, it would be fair for a manager to say to you, how is that going to make us money or save us money? Your job is an innovative and creative job. If you gave me a new product idea tell me about the substance of it what does it mean to the marketplace will people like it will they buy it how do you know we're getting to substantial questions aren't we you know remember the other day i told you i knew a manager once that told his people never come to my office just send me an email he hardly ever talked to his people it's very Disconnected from them. I used to wonder how he could evaluate them. So I asked him one day. I said, "Hey, how do you know somebody's doing a good job or not? Because they're here. What? Well, because they're here, they must be doing a good job. Because if they weren't, they wouldn't be here." That was his answer. <laughs> had a lot of forum, but not substance. Right? <laughs> he never even knew. These people didn't. Half of them, he didn't know their last name. I told you I'd go in there and i talked to him about one of the spouses of one of the people there, how they were a great tennis champion. And he said to me, Ray, that person has worked for me for over a what, two, three years. And you've only been here a month and you know more about them than I do. How is that possible? I said, because I talk to them. And I learn about them because I'm interested in them. Because we're on the same team. I want to know if they're going to do a job that's good, and I want to know if I can help them with substance. Seems obvious, doesn't it? Some people just don't want to be bothered with the important things in their life. You know? It's a different work ethic. You know? So we have to think about the substance of what we do versus the form of what we do. Don't you think that's right? You know, and so, as an employee, if you work for a non nonprofit, you still have to think about the effectiveness of what you're doing, how many people because of what you're doing, how it will help the organization. So what it can do is meet its nonprofit goals and be a noteworthy organization of substance, you know Nonprofits are about other things. But they're also about making money to keep going. They just do a different tax program, right? But this is a very critical success factor. You know, substance over form, keep that in mind. Think about the one we talked about last night. Talked about two critical success factors. Okay. So, how can you validate the CSF, substance over form? You got to validate it, right? Well, here's some ways we can think about. Well, provide core content directly derived from the workplace without adding non-essential media. Make sure everything you do is essential. When I was younger and I was really getting into the media and presenting deliverables to clients, I wanted it to look pretty. So I would set in pictures, I would do all this stuff and I would do all that stuff and you could win an Oscar. Or near me with it, I'm sure. But the manager would look at me and say, I gotta cut through all that stuff to find out the substance. Just give me the facts. Like Joe Friday would say on Dragnet, give me the facts, ma'am, just give me the facts. That's substance over form. We're in a hurry here. We have problems to solve. We don't need an opera to solve a problem here. We do not need to create an aircraft carrier to build a roadboat. Substance of form means provide core content directly derived from the workplace without adding non-essential media. Make sure everything is essential. Right? And then we employ multimedia only where it directly contributes to the solution. You give graphics when it... C- Contributes to the solution. How many of you out there ever met a person that said, excuse me, I've got to have a drink of my iced tea here. Excuse me, folks. Oh, that's good tea. It's hot today. outside, So I'm a little dry. But if you give him something to read like a paper, he'll say, oh, I'm the kind of guy that I'm very visual. I learned by visual. So I said to him, you can't see yeah i can see i said so the document i gave you is visual it's full of words you can't see those words i need pictures i said so you need pictures to tell you because one picture is worth a thousand words right yeah i said that's only true in cartoons but in real life you have the intelligence and prex you should be able to read should be able to write should be able to draw conclusions from premises you can't do all that with pictures. You can illustrate ideas that you have given with words. So I can say provide core content directly derived from the workplace without adding non-essential media. I could put that in a graph in a picture, right? But if you can't understand what I just said to you, that's because you never learned to read or think. Oh, I favored this part of my brain. No, you're not. You're not controlling your brain. Your brain works a certain way. You know, you you got all these neurologists that tell you things that are kind of silly. Right? Because they don't know. They can look at the activity on their brain, but they don't know exactly what that means. They can see the lateral. They can see the neurons firing and all that stuff, and they guess, and they say it means this, this, and this. They have a lot of experience, and they're very smart. But you still have to take the pictures and translate them into words. And if you can't say what you mean, it's because you don't know what you mean. So I can give you some pictures with this, but if you can't understand what I just read to you, how did you get this job? Provide core content directly derived from the workplace. So I can draw a picture of somebody at work and two people, and I can draw a piece of paper and pretend I have words on it and say, look, it came from the workplace. Do you get it? But if I have to do that, then I'm going into entertainment, not education. Wow. So we do do some pictures. So provide core content directly. What does directly mean? Directly derived, taken from the workplace. And don't add non-essential media because it only confuses things. What does that mean, non-essential media? Well, you don't need music. You don't need uh, cartoons. You don't need photographs unless it's absolutely essential and most of the time it isn't, all right? It just will keep you from thinking. You'll remember the pictures, but not what they mean. Employ multimedia only where it directly contributes to the solution. So, point number three, employ multimedia only when it improves the transfer of knowledge. There you go. So you provide core content directly derived from the workplace without adding non-essential media. And you'll only do that when it improves transfer of knowledge. Now, if the only thing that works for you is pictures, you want to be entertained and you want to go to the movies. But That's not so much to transfer of knowledge because if you even go to a movie that you like, they're talking to each other in words. Right? You see two people talking and you can get the idea. Here, employ multimedia only where it improves transferring knowledge. These are good rules. So I'm not saying don't use multimedia. I'm saying use it only when does certain things. All right? So. So you have to prepare. I always like to come back to the idea how important preparation is. How can you validate the CSF? Substance over form, how can you do that? Well, you specify your CSF, you specify your critical success factor. And how do you do that? You communicate the substance over form of the CSF. And what is the substance over the form? The point, here's a CSF. Give content to people that they understand. That's understandable. Only make it as complicated as needed to get the idea out, to explain the complications, to make it simple. You see, things like that. Focus here on the CSF, not the CFF. You know, CFF, as we talked about last night, critical failure factor. There's a difference between a critical success factor and a critical failure factor. A lot of people have never heard of CFFs, critical failure factors. They know about the CSFs, critical success factor. A critical success factor is very important, right? But a critical failure factor is something that you add to it that defeats it. Remember when we said a minute ago about media? Make sure it's absolutely essential to knowledge transfer. Suppose you have a piece of media, a selection part, a photograph, or some side statement in a video that totally makes it difficult and confuses you about your CSF. You've really messed up, huh? Ensure that the critical success factor, substance over form, can be qualified by managers and team leaders. You've heard that one before. It's got to be able to be qualified. Right? Do not over-identify the CSFs of the team. They should be able to come back and tell you some things about what are important for you to be successful with this project that they're working on and what do they need to succeed. Enable your colleagues to have the freedom to desire exceptional performance by defining critical success factors that are critical to achieving exceptional performance. Enable your colleagues to do that, to have the freedom to desire exceptional performance by defining their critical success factors that are indeed critical to achieving exceptional performance. In problem solving, what is one CSF that leads to exceptional performance? Do you remember one? The solution has to be enduring. How is that? The solution has to work all the time, right? It's enduring. So that's how you validate the critical success factors. You specify your critical success factor, communicate the substance over form, you focus here on the CSF, not the CFF, critical failure factor. And you don't over-identify the CFS with the team. You let them help you. You let them contribute. You do it collectively as the team because they're going to know things you don't. You know things they don't. Come together, you can have something really great happen. But it's called teamwork. Yes, very, very important. So you get it? Your colleagues need freedom to be smart. Your colleagues need freedom to attain exceptional performance and deliver it. And the one way they can do that is by defining the CSF that are critical to achieving exceptional performance. What do they need to achieve exceptional performance? What are their critical success factors that you might not have thought about? Have you talked to them about it? What is one of them, remember? substance over form you want your employees and your team members your colleagues right to provide substance over form i think that would be good if you let them do that empower them is better than letting them enabling them is really great and one way to do this is to share insight not be a dictator see All right, something to think about, right? So, how can you validate the critical s- success factor, substance over form? So, we're still on that question, aren't we? Do you have some ideas? Mm, that T tea is sure good. So you employ solutions that have a history of success, right? That's one answer. We've talked about this earlier, evidence-based solutions that have worked for that problem before and you have a record of it. Certain solutions are good because they've worked every time on the same kind of problem all the time. They have a history of success. They have A history that Victor Borger would call. They will solve problems that haven't popped up yet. Because they've been solved in the past. And they will come up again by somebody else. And you already have a handmade solution. Because it's evidence-based. It works. So we're talking about employee solutions that are repeatable. If they have a history of success, that means they've been used more than once. So the solutions are repeatable. You know, there are people that argue that every solution has to be unique. Because every problem is unique. Now, the trouble with that argument is they're not smart enough to say that. They haven't lived long enough to say that. And they haven't had enough experience to say that. Because with what that person is saying is that with all the millions of problems out there i know they're already unique and every problem has to be unique for every unique solution if i would say to you what's one plus one plus one plus one plus one equal you can give me the answer If somebody came up to you the next day and said to you, what's 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1? And you would give them the answer. My goodness, you would solve the problem with the same darn solution. Yeah. And if somebody said to you, what's 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1? You would give the same answer. that's the same thing as one four times if somebody said to you what's two plus two and you would give them the answer if somebody said to you what's five minus one you give them the answer what would you say if somebody said to you what's three plus one you get my point mathematics is all about providing the exact same solution To the exact same problem. You got the problem, you always get the same answer in mathematics. Every time the variables come together the output will be the same in mathematics. Mathematics is great because you use the same formulas and the same solutions with the same problems to get the same answers all the time. One plus one plus one plus one equal four no matter who ask and no matter when they ask it and for how long. Because life is like that. You get thirsty, you have ice water nearby, you drink it and you like it because life is like that. There are a lot of things in reasoning logic derived from such simple examples that I use the words with. To give you the same answers, the same solutions. Isn't that amazing? We're not as unique as we think we are. We're pretty unique, as my nephew used to say. Unique you, uncle? Are we really unique you? I said, yeah, we're unique. All right. I'm sure you've heard that from children. It's just adorable. But the point here is. You can employ solutions that are repeatable. Isn't that wonderful about life? Some things actually are repeatable. Thank goodness. Did you hear that? Bum, dum bum, my phone. Seems like they're clapping for me, huh? And you employ solutions that are clearly linked to the challenge. That's pretty easy in mathematics. See, math is really easy. If I say 3 plus 2 equal 5. How am I doing it? I'm doing addition. And that addition. Is caused by that plus sign. So therefore. My solution of adding. To two numbers. Is really linked. To the challenge by that plus sign. Now. Now. In, in reality, there are a lot of things that we come across every day in the workplace that are that simple, but they're written in complicated form. But you get down to it, it's either mathematical or it's logical. And the solutions most often are not unique because they're enduring and they're repeatable. And you can do that. You can look for those things. That's one of the ways of validating substance of reform. You have solutions, you employ them that have a history of success. You employ solutions that are repeatable. You employ solutions that are clearly linked to the challenge. That's not so hard, is it? I think it's uh, good that we can do that. Now, insight number 15. I love sharing these insights building big makes sense when the building builds revenues profits and market shares other than that it will build big deficits that's from Ray Newkirk's insight I've seen this so many times building big makes sense when the building builds revenues profits and market shares. Other than that, it will build big deficits. The question comes up is when you're doing a startup or you have a new company and you're growing, how big should you go? You can go big fast and that's really dangerous because you will build big deficits. You know, building big makes sense when the building builds revenues, profits and market shares. Other than that, it will build big deficits now the other thing is you can build big market shares you build big deficits because you have no profit because you're selling so cheap are you giving your product away that your revenues are not growing as big as your market share And of course you won't last the thing that always got me about business and you hear it talked about anti-grove and intel used to call the inflection point that's the point at which you quit growing and start shrinking. Once you hit that reflection point, you are in trouble because success in business is growth. That's always been the thinking, and it's kind of bothered me because it's not capitalism with a conscience. Growth can be dangerous for a society. You know? Build, build, build. Build vision-based values, build your staff, build customer satisfaction, and witness your organization being built in the market. Henrietta Newton-Martin said that. I will quote her again. Build, build, build. Build vision-based values. Hear that? Vision-based values. I love it. She's talking about values and vision. You know what's wrong with dreams, right? Everybody has a dream. You hear that? They used to say to me, Ray, when I was 30 years old, Ray, what's your dream about life? I wouldn't answer them. Ray, everybody has a dream in life. What's your dream? I don't want to crush your dream, Ray. Just share it with me. Don't worry. I'm not going to criticize you. What's your dream? My answer I don't have a dream. Dreams are for those who sleep. Visions are for those who are awake. I have a vision. And he said, what? What's that about? Wow, what a hostile answer that is. No, it's a fact. Who dreams? People who are asleep. Why would you have a dream? You hear all that stuff all the time. We had a president named Bush. He said he didn't believe in that vision stuff. That's a quote. That vision stuff. What kind of vision is that? He must have had a dream for a nightmare. Might not a nightmare for a dream. So Henrietta. God bless her soul. Build, build, build. Build vision-based values. Yes. Build your staff. Yes. That means develop them also. You know, it doesn't mean increase the number automatically. Build your staff. Build customer satisfaction. Yes. Have happy customers. Why? Substance over form will help you every time. And witness your organization being built in the market. Yes. Be a successful company. Manage your business growth. You can build a lot of stuff. You can build revenues. You can build values. You can build people. You can build happiness. You can build satisfaction. You can build wellness. But you need a vision, right? Regardless of what Bush might have said, President Bush, your vision. Enjoy your dreams when you're asleep. When you wake up, realize your vision. And we must thank Henrietta Newton Martin for reminding us of this. It's really worth thinking about, you know? I like it a lot. Building big makes sense when the building builds revenues, profits, and market shares. Other than that, it builds big deficits. So big isn't the answer to everything. You know? Wouldn't it be nice if we could have a culture that was so great that we didn't have to have money? People could be well taken care of. If I haven't figured out how to do that yet. I once had this idea how we could have a company. All right. That was not based on non-profit ideas that we have today. It was not built on capitalistic profit ideas that we have today. But it was a company that could ensure the welfare of every person. They had a good place to live. They had plenty of food. They could educate themselves and become who they're They can become. They could have hobbies, they could have jobs and things like that, but not out of desperation. That we didn't have to have criminals, that we didn't have to have people that are so materialistic they'll lose their souls over it. You know, today we have people that are so much into convenience that they forget about values, they'll give up their values for convenience they suffer in old age. Because guilt catches up to you. So insight 15. Building big makes sense. When the building builds revenues. Profits and market shares. Other than that. It will build big deficit. So only build big. If you can manage it properly. All right. And you need revenues to do that. All right. And there's. Nothing wrong with having a private company that's not on the stock market because you can manage it and you can own it. You sell all those shares, everybody else owns your company. And they have different expectations and it's all about profit. So you have to be really, really dedicated to generating a lot of revenue so you can share it, right? So you have to be really, really, really big. And how big is enough? How much is enough? I'm sure we've all asked that question. I mean, look at people out there, like a poor man today like Bill Gates, he's what, 130 billion bucks. You know how long it takes to count to 130 billion? You won't live long enough to count that. Yes. You can buy a country with that. Then you have these young guys that just got out of college. They're not even formed yet. They're 22 years old or something like that. They start these high-tech companies. A few years later, they go public and they're billionaires. How do they know what to do with all that kind of money? They're going to be very, very mature. But they were just in college playing games a couple of years ago, building a company that took off because they had a lot of help, had a good idea, and they were smart enough to hire the right attorneys to protect them. But they can get to the point where they have so much influence on a society, but they're very weak in their values, perhaps. And they can affect how the society will turn out. See, that's the trouble, isn't it? We need high-value people in big impact companies. And I don't know whether we have that or not. You know, and then how do you control it when you have thousands and thousands of employees? I mean, some of these companies have what? I know a, a nice company. Don't believe it's a Fortune 100 company. has 230,000 employees hires a lot of people right a lot of people just doing the payroll right imagine how big that is but there are companies much much bigger than that ever look at the number of employees that Amazon has Walmart places like that well my goodness gracious they're certainly big right so, do they take care of their people? Are they socially responsible? And are the people socially responsible? You know, there's a lot of talk about social responsibility of business. Well, we talked about that for a long time. So, here's a fact for you. Your posture is the key to your personal and professional foundation. Cindy Ann Peterson said that. Now, I'm not sure what she was really getting to. I have an idea. After all, she's my second cousin twice removed. But I have an interpretation on this I'd like to share with you. Your posture is the key to your personal, professional foundation. How do you negotiate and follow through? That's a certain professional posture that you have. How you negotiate, you bring your posture with you. When our company was starting out, we wanted our employees have the best life possible, the best life we could help them attain. By them doing a really good job. So we very early gave them a four-day work week. And paid them for five days. We had them in the office 32 hours a week. We paid them for 40. So they could have three-day work weeks. Weekends. Four-day work weeks. 3 days weekends to be with their family. So they could do things together. We wanted to encourage happy families. Now they're talking about that again. Well, we did this in the 1980s. How's that grab you? Silicon Valley. Yeah. We wanted our employees, every single one of them to have a good life. We paid them more than they could get any place else. Sometimes somebody would come to us and they'd make 50% more than any place else. Sometimes more than that. We were fair. And we would give them a contract and we hired them to do a job. And we gave them the benefits. Health care. All kinds of stuff. We were a small company just starting out, right? But we did that from day one. No VC, no business loans, all from hard work from client contracts. Well, let me tell you what happened. We learned a lot about people. In a very short time, their attitudes were negative. Let me give you an example. One day we had an important client that needed an RFP done. They needed a certain day, which meant somebody had to come in on a Friday to help us out. So we asked him to come in Friday and help us out. He hadn't been at work on Friday for a long time. Well, instead of saying, sure, i will be glad to help out Ray. I know this is an emergency. We'll come in and get this thing done. No worry. He got angry. This is my day off. You're screwing up my three-day weekend. The nerve of you. You better pay me overtime. That's right. This is my perk. I'm entitled to this. You're cutting into my time off. No gratitude. Yeah. So I ended up saying, okay, we'll work it out. You don't worry about it. And I did it myself, and I worked all night to do it. And I got it in, and we got the contract. Then they wanted to know if they could work on the contract. Now, this happened time and time and time again with our employees that we did these wonderful things for. They managed, the more you gave them, the more they wanted. They ended up wanting more things than we gave to the executives. That's right. It was unbelievable. These people had good educations. They were well-schooled very good educated, very well-schooled people. They went to good schools. Good reputations. They were not bad people. But the more you did for them, the least appreciative they were, and the more demanding they became. Yeah. And there's never a thank you. Yeah. It was a, I learned from that how to work with employees. You know how to do it? You interview them, find out if you like their skills and their personality can be a fit for your organization, which is a guess. And you negotiate a contract with them and you put in the performance requirements in the contract and you manage them by that and you pay them according to the contract. And that's it. No extra perks, no four day work weeks and being paid for five days. They got 40 hours a week. They had to be there or I didn't need them. You had to stick to the contract, and you designed contract based on negotiations, and you held them to that. And you managed by contract. That's it. No attaboys, no good girls, none, no wonderful helens, no wonderful It was by the contract. Did they carry out the contract, or were they violating it? If they met the contract, they did well. If they were going to get a bonus, it was negotiated anything else outside of that was only a cause of problems you want to manage your people do it by contract write it down make sure they have a copy and manage only by the contract if there's something that he wants to change do it after the contract is over don't if they want to go let them go get somebody else manage because it's just going to continue to be a problem it's like these athletes you know think about it these athletes get these multi-million dollar contracts to do the best they can do and go out and become superstars and when they have a good year then they say i want a new contract i did a good job for you yeah you're supposed to right but these turkeys called owners turn around and say okay 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 i will cancel your contract because you did good year although i paid you a bonus for anything extra you did and i paid you what i'm supposed to pay you and you did what you contracted to do for me i'm going to cancel that and give you a brand new contract Because I don't want you whining. I don't want you quitting. And of course you know what you've done, right? You've changed the league. That's why a lot of athletes never grow up. They're children. Making a lot of money like entrepreneurs who have rapid growth in a startup that never grew up emotionally. And they create technology that can hurt society. Because they're not smart enough or deep enough to care. So... Your employees must be treated as adults and managed as adults. And you need a common language to do that, and that's called a contract. And personnel should be very good at helping you do that. Because all this other stuff. So what do they do? They come out with this thing called, I can fire you any day. What are these laws? You work at will. The company can let you go any day, at any time, at anything, and they'll do that. It's bad for the family because you can lose your job, not even know it's coming. But if you try and quit a company, they expect two weeks notice for four weeks notice. You don't have to do that. If they're at will, so are you. And the company will say, I will blacklist you if you do this, if you don't give me four weeks notice. So what? That's not even legal. Everybody has to grow up here and be responsible and quit treating each other like crap, right? The employees have to work and stand up to their contract. I know people that will come to the office and do nothing all day if they can get away with it. I have been in companies where they hired so many people that people actually worked from the cafeteria because they had no office or no chair or no desk. But they were hired anyway and they didn't even know they had so many people because the companies are so big already. Let me get some tea here. So, the point I'm trying to make here is posture, right? People are posturing. When you talk to somebody that's a new employee, there's posturing. None of that is needed. Just come out with a contract. You can have a contract for every job in the company. And you can manage your people according to that. And that's it. You know, it would really be great if everybody could have a four day work week. A lot of people do ever since Obamacare. You know, first thing some companies did when Obamacare came along, they made everybody part time because part time people you don't have to buy insurance for. So all these people had full time jobs, right? I don't know why anybody doesn't talk about this. You can see at companies like Disney, you go to Orlando, uh, most people have part-time jobs. That all changed with Obamacare. Never used to be like that, but that gets the companies out. So our friend in the White House destroyed many careers and jobs, reduced income, so everybody could have health care insurance. There had to be a smarter way, right? Come on. We all have to grow up and think deeply about the critical success factors and the critical failure factors. I would love to be able to do what I wanted to do, but it wasn't it doesn't work because people won't let it work. Employees can be problem. I know executives that have told me my idea job is to have a company with no employees, just automation everywhere, Ray. If I can get rid of all the employees this is back in the 80s they are telling me this because employees are a pain in the neck that's what they would tell me and you know why that is because employees can be a pain in the neck think about your workmates a lot of people don't want to go back to the office today why because they don't like who they work with yeah so we've tried to do all these social experiments they call it wokeism today it really wasn't. It's was trying to be fair and decent. You treat your people well and maturely and have a contract. That's what we were forced into. And it made everything simpler. I mean, you know. So I'm not saying everybody's the same or just because that happened to us is going to happen to everybody else. But it probably will. Because if anything, people have changed. And not for the better. There's a different respect for human life. I talked about this last night. There's a different arrogance. There's a different code of fairness. I mean, we have a Supreme Court justice a lot of people don't like, and a guy was going to try and kill him and his family. It's against the law. It is against the law to demonstrate against these justices where they live for the sake of the democracy and you you had the Attorney General ignoring it there's so much going on today folks that you need to be careful you need to be thinking you need to be reasonable and you need to have good contracts I really think you know but I see so many things happening in a world I knew could change. I can remember in the 80s telling my friend Bud Perry, the big challenge for America at the year 2000 is not to become a third country nation. And I meant politically as a banana republic. But we are becoming more and more like them. There's so much that we don't know. There's so many secrets. There's so many different gains. There's so much meanness. There's so many people that are manipulative and they have no depth. I don't know how some of these people get reelected, i tell you, for a democracy to be working, the people have to be informed, knowledgeable, not just opinionated, not about just what feels good. They have to think about what's right, right? What's the foundation? What's the applied moral wisdom of any society? I hope you take those podcasts about applied moral wisdom and really simplify your life. well okay so let me repeat your posture is the key to your personal and professional foundation thank you cindy ann peterson now think about that how do you come across how do you posture yourself how do you negotiate how do you engage how do you follow through follow through is really important in life huh don't you think that's really something but i will tell you this I can only think of one case where form over substance really matters. I'm talking all the time now about substance over form, right? How important it is. Can you think of any case where form over substance is more important? Well, when you work as a fashion model, right? You have to look pretty good. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. Form over substance will work pretty good if you're a fashion model. You know that? But other than that, folks, life is a life of substance. All joking aside, some of these models I've met are extremely intelligent. And they understand business and contracts. So they have a lot of substance when it comes to business. In all fairness, right? I just thought I'd put a little humor in. So, are you getting the idea? I have found... The secret key to success. All I need to do now is to find the door. Nelson M. Lubau said that. Nelson M. Lubau. I have found this secret key to success. All I need to do now is to find the door. And of course, the door is a substance over form. Think about what the man is saying there. Yeah. What's the key to success? But what's the doorway to success? What's the key? The key is substance over form. But that's not all of success, is it? The door. You got to open the door, you got to walk through. And then you have to be ready to encounter the world. You have to be consistent in thought and action. You have to have solutions that are enduring you have solutions that the team can understand you have to have csfs that the team can specify you have to have a manager that works with persons as a team by sharing insight all these great things we've talked about right so remember the guy that had the lamp in early Greece went around and they asked him what he's doing that lamp he said he's looking for an honest person so you see some of these problems we have in life today at work in the family at church are historical they're ethical and moral problems do you know what happens if you don't have good ethics and morals If you're not connected with them and if you're not serious and you're not honest, you become sociopathic, sociologically deformed. You use people for your own gratification. All kinds of bad things happen, but you won't be old. old. In old age, you won't be happy. So guess what? Episode 15. Our time is up on episode 15. So, we've talked about two critical success factors in the last two episodes, 14 and 15, right? Two critical success factors for exceptional performance. The one today was substance over form. And they all concern how we solve problems. Okay? So, we just don't get in there and automatically solve problems without thinking about them. And it's very good that we have to think about using our minds, making our solutions enduring. that can be used again and again because they're evidence-based. Extremely important. Also extremely rare. So, thank you for joining me on this discussion about achieving exceptional performance. I will be back with episode 16 by next week so we're making some progress uh you will learn a lot these are based on experience and insight that i've learned and i picked up from others good places that i've been to all over the world i find that a lot of people share common problems i'm dr raymond l newkirk founder and ceo of systems management institute My phone number, if you ever want to give me a call and say hi, is 407 864 7756. My email is rneukirk at smilc.info. Webpage is www.smirsp.com. And I believe in being forever forward. Look to the future, learn from the past. You can't relive the past. Sometimes thinking about the past, you'll change it in your mind anyway. But think about the future, about better solutions all the time. It would be great if the problems that you solve are enduring solutions and that the people never have to put up with them again. But that takes teamwork. So, I thank you for listening. We'll continue with this discussion soon. And thank you for joining us. This is Ray Newkirk. I'm signing off for now and I wish you all a good day tomorrow and have a very good week. And I hope you join with me again soon. Thank you very much and good evening to you.